Good morning. Welcome to Local Matters. This has been Rogers. I am visiting with our senator, Paul Bailey. He is he comes on at least twice a year for me and sits with me and visits with me and just updates us on session and what's going on with the state. I always try to have you in, Paul, at the end of session and before session starts. So thank you for your annual spring visit um, <laughs> well, and any other time that we need to have you on. So welcome. Glad well, you're here. Well, thank you, Ben. It's always a pleasure being with you and and uh, certainly visiting with the folks here in the uh, Upper Cumberland area. Yeah, and we've got good folks, and you spend a lot of time helping those folks. And I, as I say this every time, I'm grateful that you are our senator and all the work you do. And one of the reasons I have you in here today is to talk about session. It just ended, uh, what, two weeks ago, I guess now? I'm, I'm still three weeks ago? I don't know. Somewhere I, I'm, my time is off. But anyway, end of April. Um, y'all got out, and one of the last things y'all do every year before you close out session or adjourn, uh, or adjourn side die. But this this actually closed out the session, right? This year. Well, we always pass the budget, which I which think is, exactly. that's where, is where yep. you're going. Uh, we always pass the budget uh, at least one to two weeks before we fully adjourn, mm-hmm. and so um, this will make the third week that we've been adjourned, and we. Uh, uh, we adjourn what they call sine die, which means the end uh, for the legislative session. And uh, we had passed the budget. Uh, we sine died on the last week of April on Thursday. And so um, we did so. And, and I think we did a lot of good things for the people for Tennessee and especially for the Upper Cumberland. So highlights of the budget, and and what I guess what is our dollar amount in the state of Tennessee budget? How many billion dollars are we spending? Well, this year we have a fifty-two point five eight billion dollar budget. So a fifty-two, nearly uh, fifty-two billion, uh, nearly you could say fifty-three billion dollars, and that's up uh, significantly over last year's budget. But the biggest reason is the federal dollars that have come down. Uh, on the state level through the uh, uh, ARP funds that uh, the federal government has allocated. But uh, aside from that, Tennessee's been doing very well with its uh, revenue collections. And, and of course, uh, I, I just want to say this. The legislature meets for one purpose and one purpose only. Our Constitution says that that we're to meet every year and to pass a budget, and that budget must be balanced. Yep. And I say this all the time, if Washington would pass a balanced budget amendment uh, in their constitution, in the United States Constitution, and then live by that, then they could see the prosperity that Tennessee is currently experiencing. I agree. Wouldn't have a trillion-plus dollar debt, right? Oh, uh, yeah, $30 trillion, I think, is what uh, – and maybe even higher. It, of course, it goes up so fast, it's hard to – to even imagine those numbers, but but Tennessee's doing very well. Our our you know our main source of revenue is is sales tax revenue that comes in, and then obviously the uh, gas uh, and diesel uh, tax that comes in, and so those funds have continued to grow um, month after month, and even during the pandemic, we saw growth because we'd passed the internet sales tax a couple of years ago. And which meant that the local governments, I know you're a county commissioner here in Putnam County, and because of the foresight that the uh, uh, state legislature had a few years ago in passing the internet sales tax, that has allowed our local governments to continue to operate even under a pandemic and the state to do very well, too. It did. I mean, that's uh, one of the best things that's ever happened to cities and counties. And so 
you know, you, you hear, and as a commissioner, but as a CTAS employee for 17 years, you hear about all these officials saying, we don't want the legislature, legislature to hand down unfunded mandates. Well, when y'all did the sales, sales tax, you gave them a funding option. Right. I mean, you, you, y'all really helped them out. So I, I haven't heard much of the unfunded mandates in the last <laughs> few years because they're so blessed with sales tax money. It's, it's been a game changer for counties to stay afloat during the pandemic. So, before we get into particulars of the budget, some highlights, and we ain't going to cover every single everything, but I want to talk about some stuff for this area. You mentioned gas and motor fuel tax, and I just want to ask you, there was a little bit of talk during session from, uh, I can't remember if it was a senator or, or, or House of Representative, I can't remember, um, that wanted to uh, stop collecting gasoline motor fuel tax for like three months to give citizens of Tennessee a break. And the first thing in my position went off my head is, oh my goodness, that would not be good for our infrastructure and it's state and and highway right. roads so what was the, i mean what, what how did that come about and i know it didn't get anywhere but how did all that come about well number one it was a political move because at that time gas and diesel prices were rising and of course they've risen even higher since that but that was more or less um, to grab a political headline during that day but what uh, Folks need to realize is that your gas and diesel tax is what pay for your roads, not only your state roads, but it flows back to your local governments. And that's what's uh, most important. People uh, think a lot of times that their property tax goes to pay for their local roads. That's not true. Uh, it's the gas and diesel tax that flows back to those counties uh, and, quite honestly, your cities to be able to maintain their uh, roads and streets. So when, when you have um, a legislator that proposes something like that, that sounds great, especially when prices are rising at the pump. But we also need to realize that Tennessee, I'm going to say the word uh, a transient state as well as a tourist state, and that's one of the reasons that we do so well in tax revenue is because we have a lot of people that visit the state. But we also, if we eliminated the uh, tax on gas and diesel, then that's not going to necessarily help Tennesseans, but it's going to help um, as many out-of-staters, those that are traveling through Tennessee. So we did something even better. We, uh, Tennessee, we're talking about the budget, so we did about $300 million in, in uh, tax cuts. Again, $300 million. We've cut taxes every year. Mm -hmm. We've cut uh, probably $1.5 billion in taxes since I've been in the legislature. And so this year, what we did to try to give every Tennessean an additional tax break is beginning July 1st, your uh, registration fee for your personal vehicle or your personal motorcycle will be waived. That's the $29 state fee. So when you go to register your vehicle this year, uh, that $29 fee will be waived from July 1st uh, of 2022 until June 30th of 2023. That's a way to give back to Tennesseans. Yeah, and and, and of course, uh, you were a sponsor on that bill, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. You better believe I am because, you know, that's where we are actually helping Tennesseans by being able to give back uh, to them and, and help every Tennessean. You know, most families have at least one to two vehicles, and so to be able to uh, give a tax uh, cut to every family. Uh, that certainly uh, means a lot. And, you know, you save a two-car family, that's $60 uh, that they can save uh, in a year. And I, I assure you that uh, 
the gas tax, they would have uh, they would have gotten about the same savings if they drive, you know, the twelve hundred miles right. uh, a month. So yeah, well, and that's just one of the highlights. And of course, um, you obviously pay very close attention to the budget and what's going on and you're always if we have a surplus especially which tennessee has as you mentioned sales tax collection has been great y'all been able to cut expenses we're getting we're building a surplus so you as a legislator especially a senator is looking for ways to help locally in your area right and you have every year right uh, in multiple ways i can't even start to think (laughs) about the counties that's gotten money from the state because you've asked for it but one of the highlights um, that come out of that was you helped Putnam County, and I want you to talk about that. Yeah, so, um, again, there's many aspects of the budget, and, uh, and you know, we can also mention that there's a grocery sales tax holiday for the entire month of August, so families, again, can go to the grocery store whenever they buy those food items that currently have a uh, sales tax on them, that sales tax will be eliminated for the whole month of August, again, a way for us to to give back to Tennesseans. But talking about Putnam County specifically, uh, Representative Williams, Ryan Williams, and I, as well as Speaker Cameron Sexton, um, we uh, placed in the budget $2.5 million to go to Putnam County uh, and Putnam County Fair for the Visitor and Welcome Center that's going to be named in memory of uh, Jessica Clark. If you remember, Miss mm-hmm. Jessica was a long, long-time fair board member as well as um, a victim of the tornadoes right. in March. And so uh, this was something that we felt like that could definitely help the new fairgrounds, but also honor someone that uh, is, was, is a Putnam, was a Putnam Countyan, and, uh, and help uh, – help that family and and help the memory of jessica yeah she was a city employee for a while so she was uh not only helping the fair fair board through that aspect she was serving the public through working at the city and a wonderful sweet soul um i knew her and just missed but i appreciate you and and um representative williams and speaker sexton honoring her that way and and obviously obviously the county appreciates you as well because that's two and a half million dollars we're taking off the taxpayer to build part of the uh, the visitor center, welcome center on the fairground property because we were going to have that in our budget. Right now we can take that out of our budget and put maybe towards infrastructure at the new fairgrounds, or maybe towards another building, or maybe something developing something else. So it it's helped uh, it's helped the county out a lot. So we appreciate that. You bet. And you know something else for uh, volunteer fire departments here in the Upper Cumberland area, the legislature has put in five million dollars for a grant program so that your volunteer fire departments can apply for uh, grants. Last year we started this program. We only put 500000 uh, There was over $5 million in requests. So this year we said, well, let's put $5 million in. That's something that's helping your locals as well because uh, it's hard to get volunteers now to be in the fire department, in these volunteer fire departments. Uh, it's expensive to buy that turnout gear and to buy the equipment that they have to have, the training that they need. So we've placed um, $5 million. Another uh, area is, is also our rescue squads. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the same issue of having to have continuing education equipment that they need today. So we placed $2 million in the budget for them to be able to apply for grants uh, to uh, to get equipment and and. Uh, uh, provide supplies and needed your help in public public safety public safety absolutely so that's a good spo- uh good part because we got more to talk about uh on the budget and uh what's 
coming out and that like like you said that's the main thing that i was supposed to be doing after this break when i come back with senator paul bailey we'll be back in just a moment What's so important about shopping with locally owned businesses? When you shop local, your hard-earned dollars stay here in the community, helping to benefit your friends and neighbors, local schools, roads, and all aspects of community life. But what happens to my money if I spend it online or at a national chain store? In most cases, the profits go far away, out of state, corporate headquarters, or even overseas. It doesn't take any extra effort to shop local. Office Mart on South Jefferson and Cookville is your locally owned office furniture and supply store. For over 35 years, they've been proud to serve businesses in the Upper Cumberland with quality and value. You get real customer service, too. And unlike shopping online, you can actually see and try out the large inventory of office furniture in their showroom. And when it's delivered, it's not a box on your step. They're glad to install and set up everything. Office Mart. There's no other locally owned office store in the region. South Jefferson Avenue across from Hardee's. Shop local at Office Mart. Welcome back to Local Matters. Ben Rogers with Senator Paul Bailey. Uh, learning about uh, the budget that was passed this last session that adjourned in the last week of April. And uh, good information so far. You mentioned since you've been in over 1.6, I think, billion of tax cuts uh, since you've been a legislator and a senator. And you're, you've mentioned some last segment. You're not done. What other tax cuts did the General <laughs> Assembly, and uh, I shouldn't say impose, but take away this this time? Well, so we also reduced the professional privilege tax on um, physicians this year. So that's something that it's kind of like the hall income tax. We set it on a pathway of elimination. And so uh, this year, the profession that we eliminated and having to pay a professional privilege tax is uh, is your physicians, your doctors. Uh, something that I'm very proud of and have, have really advocated for ever since I've been in the uh, legislature. I've passed some um, reduced sales tax measures for farmers, but this year we um, were reducing sales tax on agricultural uh, machinery and equipment uh, to make sure that our farmers who are, you know, working hard every day to uh, to feed Tennesseans and, and, and to basically – uh, feed America. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we reduce the sales tax there, and then uh, something that you know uh, I did not realize that this was an issue that we finally were able to pass this year, and that's uh, eliminate the tax on gold bullion and silver whenever it's traded. That there was a tax that's been on the uh, books, if you will, uh, for years, where we taxed uh, gold bullion and silver, and we heard from several constituents over the years, and so. This was something we were finally able to eliminate, too. I'm going to put you on the spot. If you don't know the answer, that's fine. Do we know how much money that brings into the state, the tax on gold bullion? Do you have an idea? $360,000. Okay. So, I mean, you know, that was the thing. To me, it was never significant. In a $58 billion budget or whatever. It's it's what we call budget dust. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But but that that does help people that's into that. Those that that trade. And we have people here in the Upper Cumberland that – that do a lot of gold bullion and silver trading, and and they, their point has been is that if we eliminate this tax, we'll actually see an increase in the amount traded. Which you know, it's again, it's commerce, and they're saying it'll help those that in the state that that do trade in gold bullion and silver. 
I, I can't imagine the phone calls you get sometimes from people. Hey, Paul, let's talk about reducing the go bullion tax. Or I mean, I can't imagine some, but I know you take everyone, and I know you listen to everyone. So um, very thankful for that. Any other cuts? Is, is does that highlight the budget cuts this this round? Well, you know, we also did some uh, sales tax cuts on broadband supplies to help incentivize companies and to accelerate uh, broadband expansion in the state. You know, there's still pockets even in the Upper Cumberland that uh, that do not have broadband. Uh, there's other areas of the state that are in serious need of broadband. So that's a $68 million uh, tax cut. So that's something that we're trying to incentivize uh, companies that are installing broadband. That's basically giving back. They're, that $68 million, we're, we're granting them the money anyway to install broadband and to go out and, and to install that. So we were just basically recouping $68 million of our own own money. So we decided that in, rather than having to approve another $70, $80 million in the future for further broadband expansion, this is just a way that we could immediately give uh, a tax break to uh, those companies that are installing it so that we could get more mileage out of our uh, broadband expansion. Yeah, some counties and cities are using their ARP funds for broadband. Exactly. So that's going to incentivize them to take care of the broadband in their area. So I think that's a, that's a worthwhile. So, you know, we've got more to talk about, but I don't know how many years in a row the state's had a surplus, uh, several. And I know that y'all take some of that surplus and try to help immediate needs, and then also you keep it rainy day fund. Right. And you should, because right. good Lord knows, only one that knows is good Lord what's going to happen with the economy. But there's been a trend of so much sales tax coming in the last few years. Y'all are making use of that money, and you're trying to revamp education funding. Absolutely. And so let's just touch on the rainy day fund. I know we let's want to talk about So we invested $250 million into the rainy day fund, which brings it to a historical level. Tennessee's never seen $1.8 billion that's wow. in our rainy day fund. Um, some people ask, why are you saving all this money? Well, I, I tell folks that it's when we have a rainy day fund, that's the state savings account. But also that helps our credit rating with uh, the credit agencies there in New York City that we go to every year, in which Tennessee has been a AAA credit rating. We're a debt-free state, and that ultimately helps your local governments. Mm -hmm. Everything becomes local. And so when we have uh, a state has a rainy day fund, a savings account that's that's at a limit that those credit agencies look at and see that Tennessee's debt-free. That helps your local governments, especially those that may need to do some type of sewer expansion, water line expansion. They can borrow money at a lower rate because Tennessee's financial condition. So it really helps the locals to be able to do that. Now, you mentioned Tennessee had a $3 billion surplus this year. And even with all the good programs that we've done and even the tax cuts that we've done, we held over $1.3 billion that we didn't even spend this year because we're anticipating that there could be a recession this next year with the, the high gas and diesel prices going up and just seeing the inflationary pressures in a lot of areas. We held this $1.3 billion to go into into the next uh, fiscal year, which um, is uh, about 14 months away still. Right. But the fact is we're trying to be prudent with the taxpayer's money. Yeah, and so um, that leads me to one of my points. So 
I think the last couple of years the governor would take some of the surplus or request that the General Assembly take some of the surplus and do what he called the governor's grant money to counties. And there was several hundred thousand dollars given to each county across the state to do whatever they wanted to. This year that was not in the budget because – and I, I want to justify this because I've gotten phone calls from my mayors and finance directors. Why didn't we get that money? I said, guys, you got millions of dollars in ARP funds. Right. So exactly. they're taking that surplus, just like you said, Paul, and putting it somewhere else, that money, and putting it somewhere else preparing for the future. Right. And then that you're exactly right. And especially when the federal government finally came down with a final set of rules and, on how these local governments can spend that ARP money. And they took a lot of the restrictions off of it. So these local governments can spend that money on projects now that that they couldn't whenever it originally came down. So we didn't see, as far as this legislator, didn't see a need for giving the counties and the cities that additional money like we have the past two years since they already had so much money that had already been deposited into most of their bank accounts they needed to be able to spend that money first we could move into other areas in the state and and basically fund projects that hadn't been able to be funded over the past several years Uh, one other thing tennessee tech has been a huge uh, uh, benefactor of this year's budget Uh, i think it's 90 million dollars 90 million dollars that we're investing in tennessee tech tennessee tech year after year has just seen um, a, a lot of money that's gone into uh, renovating that campus, uh, building new uh, classrooms and, and buildings. And this year, it, it was no different. We're putting additional money into uh, into the campus there. One area that, that tech is now seeing, and even when I was a student 30-something years ago, there was limited parking. Well, there's even uh, more limited parking mm-hmm. today. And part of the budget is to, for them to build a um, a tiered parking uh, tower there on the campus so that they'll be able to. And y'all you know, are helping with that. We are helping with well, that. I think we're we're going to fund that. So. I think that's great. So, of course, Tennessee Tech's a big part of this community. So we're going to uh, we're going to pause this segment, this break, talking about education, higher education. When we come back, we're going to talk about some more education. Okay. After this break here on Local Matters with Ben Rogers and Senator Paul Bailey in studio, we'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to Local Matters. Paul Bailey is in studio with me, uh, learning a lot from this last session that adjourned the end of April. And so we were closing out talking about the benefits uh, of, that Tennessee Tech University is receiving from the state budget this year. And, of course, we've talked about some of the benefits our area is receiving. There's a lot more, too. But before I, I lose you today, uh, I don't want to go without talking about the new education funding model that uh, y'all spent a lot of time working on this session, we which <laughs> which you should. I mean, it's right. a big change. It's a big movement for the state. Uh, and so uh, from your perspective as Senator, what is, what is TISA? Well, TISA is a revamping of our BEP formula that was enacted over 30 years ago. Basically, the formula 30 years ago was to make sure that every school system in the state, whether it be the smallest school system to the largest school system, would at least receive a basic funding formula. And so uh, that model has worked, but it was becoming outdated. Uh, Governor Lee, I do have to give him credit for taking on that monster, uh, because in the very beginning, there was a lot of pushback from uh, your uh, uh local school directors uh, simply because they were not sure that that um, there'd be adequate funding there if they did a new formula. 
change is always hard, and especially when you're dealing with uh, one of the largest budget items in state's budget uh, is education. And so when you start talking about redirecting those funds or how you're going to allocate those funds, people get uh, get a little bit nervous. Uh, but we basically have uh, put $1 billion this year into uh, K-12 through education uh, with TISA, which stands for Tennessee Investment and in Student Achievement Act. And, and this is new funding. It's got four uh, components to it. Uh, there's a base funding component. There's a weights uh, funding component, direct funding, and then outcomes funding. And your base funding is, is just exactly what that says. Every student that's going through K through 12 education, that school district will receive uh, $6,680, every student that goes through there. And then you have your weights, uh, which include uh, economically disadvantaged uh, and and poverty-ridden uh, areas. So there's 25% for those that are uh, counties that are economically disadvantaged and then also if it's a high poverty area, there's an additional 5% uh, sparse districts. Uh, so the sparse districts and real small districts, they'll get an additional 5% on top of that $6,680. And then uh, those that have high special uh, needs children, so there's an additional component that goes in into that. And then, of course, your direct funding component, uh, which will be the third portion, and, and that directs um, uh, funding to help K through uh, uh, third grade literacy uh, programs and efforts to help those uh, students uh, achieve um, better uh, literacy programs during that, and CTE, which is always a program that we need to make sure that we have funding in. And then, of course, the fourth component is outcome funding, which basically says that those local school districts have to achieve achieve proficiency in um, in English by third grade, and that's based on your TCAP testing. And so uh, they must uh, reach a goal of 70% proficiency. Now, there's a lot of school districts that were concerned about that uh, 70% mark, that they were afraid that they may lose some funding over it. But we had to put in a mechanism there and a percentage that those school districts had to reach uh, as far as uh, outcomes. We just can't give you all this money and then not expect an outcome. And so that was outside of the governor's proposal. This was actually the General Assembly's proposal is that we are expecting uh, these school districts to have some performance-based outcome. So this model sounds like to me with those four those four uh, criteria is really, truly trying to encompass Every dynamic that a student may be, whatever situation a student may be in, you know, exactly, maybe in poverty or, or a learning disability, whatever right. that may be, this really tries to cover exactly. Everything. And that, and and I'm assuming the governor and you all was all focused on getting to that point, I guess. Exactly. You know, it school districts will tell you that it's more expensive to uh, uh, to uh, um, educate special needs children because there's special requirements that go into that. We address that. We're, we're giving additional um, uh, percentages to go towards that uh, uh, base funding so that, that that'll help that. We've got certain areas that have a career and technical education component. We're giving those students additional funding because 
of the high concentration of, of that area that may need those students coming out of there with uh, a skill rather than just that are planning on going on to uh, another higher education. So we've, we've helped uh, districts with that. And then just counties, uh, you know, just to the north of us here, you're talking about Clay County, you're talking about Pickett County, Jackson County, those that are economically distressed counties or disadvantaged counties, we're helping those counties because I know that that was one of the things that I heard from my small counties that I represent is that they were afraid that they would lose uh, funding under this. Well, we've tried to make up for that. Every school district should be receiving more funding based under this formula than the previous funding. Yeah, and we're thinking part of this funding, which is that was criteria included, we're thinking that this will help maybe retain teachers and educators and recruit new educators and, and, and staff because I feel like even in Putnam County and the Upper Cumberland that we're losing people from educate they're going from education to do something else. Right. Because they're getting paid more or uh and, and so this is supposed to help that as well. Right. Now, I'm I'm not going to get off on another rabbit trail with you on sure. that, Ben. But we we can we can have a discussion sometimes on why I think teachers are are leaving the profession. It's not always about money, but there it's a, it's about uh, not being able to discipline students in the classroom I, properly. I agree. But let's not go down that rabbit <laughs> trail today. Uh, we'll talk about that at another time. But here's another part of the TISA. Uh, when when the legislature gives a pay raise to teachers under the, the the TISA formula, that money goes directly to the teacher. Under the BEP formula, when we were giving teachers pay raises, and look, we have we have given over six hundred million dollars in teacher pay raises over the last several years. That money didn't always reach the teacher. You're exactly right. And and so. Uh, teachers uh, teachers would call and say, when are you going to give us a pay raise? Well, the legislature approved a $100 million mm-hmm. pay raise for teachers this mm-hmm. year. But when it got to the local school districts, because there were, I call them certified and non-certified positions, they were having to spread that money out. So instead of a, all teachers getting 3% raise, some may only get a 1.5%. There's other districts that weren't able to give teachers a raise, period. This says if we give $100 million for teacher pay raises, every teacher in the state must get a pay raise. And I think uh, the teachers are understanding that, and they're pretty excited about it because you're right. For the last few years, y'all have approved 4% pay raise for teachers, and these counties are not giving that 4% raise because they're having to put the money somewhere else. So this will require that. Um, we had a work session, joint work session, uh, in Putnam County with the commission and the school board a couple weeks ago, and Corby King brought up the Tesla formula, and we were discussing, and he and there were questions that he couldn't answer that uh-huh. we still don't know everything about. But he did mention that um, the state was going to do some educational sessions over the next year with the locals, uh, maybe lead, maybe leaders in the community or whoever to let, so we can learn. But one thing I do know, for the first four years, I believe counties are not going to be required to increase their local match. Correct. But starting year five, that could happen. So my advice was to these commissions, commissioners that are calling me, you need to start planning very soon on how right. you want to address that. Um, I don't see that as a scary thing, Paul. I, I see this as an opportunity that your education is getting funded more and the commission has time to assist and, and take part in what the state's trying to do. Yeah, and, and I think that your uh, school board as well as your county commission 
We're going to have to work together over the next four years, which means that, you know, as the funding comes in, that uh, we we make sure that uh, the county understands uh, how the school is being funded on the state level and that if if you're reaching year three and, and there's some changes there that you're foreseeing in year five and six, you need to start preparing in year three on how you're going to deal with year five and six and not wait until the last minute to do that. Is this, you know, is this uh, program perfect? No. Will it need to be tweaked? Absolutely. Uh, the BEP formula was tweaked from time to time. But this is something that uh, the legislature and the governor felt very strongly about that we had to do to help our local um, education systems in the state so that, um, uh, so that we could enhance uh, the funding formula to be able to educate our students in a better way. Yeah, and I, of course, I don't have children, but I have nephews, and I appreciate the efforts there. Um, before we, before you leave me, uh, there was before TISA was even really implemented. There was some more funding for CTE, I believe, in this last session, right? right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we we placed seven hundred million dollars, over seven hundred million dollars in uh, for career and technical education that uh, had not been seen before. And so uh, this governor realizes, as well as the legislature, that that we have got to have skilled workers. It's not just all about someone going to a four-year college or university and getting a, a college degree, but we've got to have people that, that uh, know how to do uh, mechatronics. We've got to have HVAC um, uh, folks. We've got to have electricians and plumbers and I mean, all of these um, career and technical skills that mm-hmm. we need in the workforce today, and we are trying to invest uh, a lot of money to make sure that uh, those uh, positions are filled. Because, look, it, it's not just, you know, uh, a low-end job now to be an auto mechanic, right. uh, to be a plumber, to be an electrician. Uh, those are high-paying jobs, in many cases, pay better than a four-year degree you're right senator thank you so much appreciate your time as always the information is always valuable uh and, and informing us so thank you for being here absolutely love it hope everybody has a great weekend uh remember to smile at one another don't frown i promise you a smile goes a lot further be good to one another we'll see you next week this has been local matters with ben rogers and senator paul bailey